Hi, this is Steve. And this is Lisa. And we're coming at you from our beautiful studio here in sunny Baltimore, Maryland, to present to you the podcast called... I Married a History Teacher. I Married a History Teacher. Lisa, do you think you are the most pregnant person to ever podcast? <laughs> That's an interesting thought. Um, I'd say I'm in the running, right? I mean... It's I mean, not there, an impossibility. There is certainly a limit to how pregnant you can be while prod- podcasting. You know, it's not an infinite number you can achieve. It feels like it is because I feel like I could be pregnant forever. So I just assume someone has been. Yes, Lisa's been pregnant since 2017. <laughs> it's been a lot years, for us. Years building this baby. I think there's going to be a lot of people in our lives that are like pretty disappointed when the big Instagram announcement we have tonight has nothing to do (laughs) with a baby being born or anything. And it's, it's just, we put out another podcast. Yeah. If I could give any advice to newly pregnant women, just lie about your due date. Yes. Because the minute you hit it, people just, they, they're sniffing around. And it's all well-intentioned. It's all well-intentioned. But the truth is, is that only 5% of women give birth on their due dates. Average first-time mothers give birth a one, one week and three days after their due date, so 10 days after their due date. And um, a month around the due date is completely normal and to be expected. So, yeah, just lie. Say it's two weeks later than it is, which is as late as you can go anyways without them inducing you. And, uh, and save yourself all the... All the circling. Very very well-intentioned, but, you know, you don't, you don't like... It's like you don't want to be the, the pot, that, the kettle that's watching... What's it? Don't... Well, it's nothing boil. close to that. <laughs> the boil... A watch pot never boils. Oh, there it is. Okay. I don't want to be the pot. I don't yeah. want to boil. I don't want to... We want to boil, because in this metaphor, that means... Oh, yeah, in the metaphor, I do. But I would, yeah. I would pick a different word. Which is sure. strange because I chose the metaphor to begin with. <laughs> um, but, yes, so I'm very pregnant. Yes. And uh, and just to give you, like, I wasn't even totally sure we'd be podcasting again. Because the last time we podcasted was basically St. Patrick's Day, like mid-March. Okay. And I was thinking, you know, we're going to have a baby pretty soon. we got all this stuff to do before the baby gets here. And who knows if we'll ever be able to podcast again when the baby's here. But... We kind of wrapped everything up. The house construction we had going, like I made work for myself a lot easier mm-hmm. by like just doing a lot of stuff and getting it done. Yeah, same. Same with you? Yeah, no, this is this is the other thing. Because the baby can, it's totally normal for it to come two weeks before your due date, you kind of get everything done mm-hmm. before that because you don't want to be caught off guard. And then when the baby doesn't come then, you're like bored as shit, really. I've yeah. never been this bored. And this is what leads us to us doing a podcast <laughs> when you're 17 years pregnant. Yeah. Yep. It's the only thing left to do at this point. Right. And, yeah. you know, you can't watch too much TV. It gets boring. Not to mention it's been a ba- damn pandemic. I know. So it's like, well, we've been doing for we've 14 months is game. watching TV. We've yeah. played this game. So we're ready. We're ready for this baby to pop out. We want to get Lisa vaxxed up and, and yep. so we can start going as a family to some places and be fabulous. getting lunch outside the house and stuff like that. Not that we haven't been doing things, but yeah, but you it's know. been very limited. Yeah, limited and 
yeah, careful. So, yeah, it'll be nice to be free again. Yes. Body free, yeah. space free. Get out of there, baby Williams. Yeah, come come join us. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have a, maybe we can be some of the people that have the youngest possible podcast guest as well, and it'll just be our son making baby noises on the microphone. And then even if he's not the youngest, and even if I'm not the most pregnant, we'll definitely be the only podcast that it has had a very pregnant and a very young person on it, back Boom. to back. That's got to get us famous, right? <laughs> yeah. That's actually why I got pregnant, so we could try to hit that milestone. Do yeah. weird like this. It's like Meredith in the office, when she says she gets pregnant again, just so she can get more uh, time off or maternity, maternity leave. You know, I totally forgot that part of yeah. that line. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish I had worked at one of those companies that did that. There's one of our friends gets six months off, including one month before they even give birth. Dude, I feel like multiple of our friends have six months off. Uh, yeah, well, at least four. But, like, six. Holy shit. I mean, I would have another kid just just to get that perch. Bro housing didn't give me a single day off of work. Rude. Yeah. Just terrible management in that company. Yeah. Zero out of ten. Zero out of ten. Just all around. Yeah. In general. Yeah. They're cute, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of physical attractiveness, <laughs> nice transition, Steve. Well, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking a little bit of a little bit of art, a little bit of sex, a little bit of nerdy philosophy, a little bit of everything, Liz. So the transition is that it's a little bit of everything. No, 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 because we're talking about physical attraction, and the story is about physical attraction at its core. Oh, okay. Well, that's more direct. Yes, yes. Um, but let's talk about art first. Okay. All right, so Lisa, frequently throughout history, we'll see art pieces that have been replayed and redone. Like, lots of different artists have the exact same subject for a piece of art, uh-huh. right? Can you, can you think of any off the top of your head? I, I wrote down a couple that I think are really pretty obvious. All right. So I, I, don't, I, I really enjoy art. I don't consider myself to be someone who can speak to it in any kind of coherent manner. I just look at things and I'm like, oh, that's pretty. But anyways, I mean, I guess Monet and Water Gardens. So, so you just mentioned Monet and Water Gardens. And I'm talking about across multiple artists. So yes, Monet does have a million different paintings from his water gardens and the lilies and all that sort of things and the bridges. Yeah. But we're talking about multiple artists and sometimes even multiple mediums of art as well. So a subject that multiple artists yes. uh, so, like uh, portrayed. Yes. Uh, naked women. Does that count? Uh, n- <laughs> no, but so I'll give you an example. Tits. Tits, man. Uh, whole new meaning when you got a baby on the way, by the way. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> um, so because you mentioned naked women, I'm going to give you as one of the examples that I thought of. Okay. So Venus, the god, the Greek god is, is oh, shit, Roman god, is very... Goddess. Goddess, goddess. sorry. Goddess is... is considered one of these things. Lots of artists do an interpretation of Venus. The most famous is one called The Birth of Venus, Venus, which everyone has seen before. It's by Botticelli. It's um, the naked woman. She's reddish hair, and she's coming to a shore. It looks like coming towards you on a giant open clam, and there's like angels around her. 
Huh. You haven't seen this before? It sounds vaguely familiar. I guarantee you if you, like, Google it, you'd recognize it. I believe you. Um, so Venus is one of these things, but there's several more famous ones. I think the, probably the most famous one is David. Yes, so, the David. Right. So there's Michelangelo's statue of David, but lots of people that are not, Like, the second most famous is, is Raphael's. Totally different interpretation of David. So he's like a smaller man. He's skinnier, less masculine. He's wearing a hat for some reason. They're both totally naked because that's how they did things. Did they ever work that into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles storyline? No, no, not in David. No, that, that would have been, been fun. Yeah, and you're like, oh, David. Yeah. <laughs> Good to see you, man. You look different than I pictured you. Yeah, yeah. No. They missed opportunity. I don't think they did anything with the whole Renaissance thing other than the names. The names. Huh. Bummer. Well, it's an opportunity for a revival. Yes. You know, everyone remakes Spider-Man a million times. Why not do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I think there's two new Spider-Man movies every year. Yeah, it's honestly at this point it's just impressive to keep screenlighting these things. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, they're still making money, obviously. Yeah, I guess so. Because or they wouldn't keep making them. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Any, anyways, okay, so David's another one. Um, uh, so the know. most obvious the one. The moon. <laughs> sure. Uh, a very obvious one is, is something, and maybe it takes being like taking an art history class to know this or something, but it's Madonna with child. Okay, which so these is, are like people. Specifically, or you know, myths of people. Yes, yeah, pretty much a lot of them. The ones that I thought of, at least, we're going to talk about a different one, to, sort of different take on it. And just for all of our Madonna with child is—is is that the same? Mary, as Mary? Mary is Madonna. It's yeah. just a different name for Mary. And um, Madonna with child is an important one because it's so so replicated. Like all of these, and it's expands so many years. So like even in the. Um, before the Renaissance, like medieval artists also had a lot of Madonnas with child. There's one particular that comes to my mind where there were such poor artists before the Renaissance that Jesus's face is just clearly a man's face and his body is just a man's body. So it's like Madonna is holding just a tiny little grown man in her arms. And it's, it's hysterical. But it's supposed to be the baby? Yes, but they just didn't have that skill set. Okay, so when you say Madonna with child, it means like... It's Madonna holding. holding. It's yes. not like you're mm -hmm. with child like you're pregnant. And again, this is one of these things that if you Google search Madonna with child, there'd be a hundred images that pop up and you would recognize like 15 of them. And again, the most famous one is again by Michael, Ch Michael Angelo, sorry. And it's in the La Pieta. Um, it's a giant, beautiful sculpture. I've always said it was like my fav, like my most, like thing that took my breath away when I saw it in person. Um, it is like a giant. Uh, is it in Rome? Yeah. Oh. Um, and it's just like Jesus as a grown man, actually, like draped off, like after he's been taken off the cross, draped in Mary's arms. And it's just like the detail in it is absolutely incredible. It's obviously a totally different take because it's usually Jesus as a baby, but in this there. Yeah, and it's also you can't go too close to it because some psycho busts in the church with a hammer. You know how like everything in Europe just is like you can just walk up to it? Yeah, it's so different than America. Yeah, yeah there's not like these intense security and no. all this crap. Yeah. Well, yeah, some asshole like took a hammer to it, sort of like oh. chipping away and like really – like destroyed a good part of it. Um, 
somewhat recently. Oh, it's terrible. Um, So that one is behind like bulletproof glass now. Um, Wow. But it is really cool. Uh, But anyway, oh, and the uh, the more modern thing I was thinking of with this is, is songs, right? Because there's all these songs that so many artists have done different versions of. Like, it feels like every artist has a Walking in Memphis, for example. Oh, okay. So you're broadening art now to... Yeah. Yeah. Just across the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Like, Christmas music, for example, I think could probably fall into this, what we're talking about. Oh, definitely. Everybody has a a Christmas album. Yeah. Everybody. Lisa, what's your favorite Christmas album? You're Jewish. Most of your people wrote all the Christmas music. You did teach me that. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't... I honestly... (laughs) <laughs> Andrew Bird. His Christmas album's amazing. It's called Hark. Oh, I love Andrew Bird. I didn't know he had a Christmas album. You do. You just didn't know we were listening to it because we listened to it like all of December and January last year. That was oh, Andrew Bird. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that was specific to Christmas. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. Well, it's a great take on it because it's not super Christmassy. You can put it on right now. It's still like pretty good. That, we should definitely, Steve and I have been trying to figure out what we want to do as a family to celebrate solstice. That's what we want to do. And um, I think he would be great music to play. Oh, yeah. Because he yeah. really blends, again, as we just mentioned, it's not that Christmassy, but it, it's Christmas music, but it's also like out there and different. Yeah, that's so fun. And by the way, if you missed uh, missed what we were saying, it's Andrew Bird, like the flying creature. Hmm. Check him out. Hark, with an explanation point at the end of it. Hark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Now, Lisa, these, there's a word for this. It's called topos. It's a Greek word. It's Greek for, from common, the word commonplace in Greek. It's yeah. called an artistic topos. Huh. Okay? So like the a, a the theme. repeating theme. Yeah. Right? Now, recently when I couldn't sleep and I was searching the depths of the internet at like 4 a.m., I came across randomly on like a Twitter account. The funniest topos I have ever seen in my life, it is known as Phyllis and Aristotle. Huh? Okay. All right. Now, the Aristotle part is the Aristotle. Yeah. The the wise guy. Yeah, the the wise guy, philosopher, some might call it. Uh Um, And Phyllis was a, uh, like a mistress, like a seductress. Did they know each other? They did. Did he get seduced? Oh, he got seduced. Mm-hmm. And he got Not seduced so in a bad way. Because what this topos is, and you know what? I'm going to show you my favorite, and by my favorite, I mean what I found to be the funniest version of it. Okay. And I want you to describe it to the people. And people listening, if you are doing something where you're in a safe space, like you're not like driving or something like that, but you're like sitting around and you have your phone, I want you to Google Phyllis and Aristotle. But for those of you who couldn't, I'm going to have Lisa describe to you what this is a painting of or an etching or whatever. It's a painting? Yes. So what are we looking at, Lisa? We're we're back to my naked woman theme. Mm -hmm. She is sitting atop Aristotle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's naked. Mm-hmm. There's definitely no penetration going on just from, like, the logistics of where genitalia is located. <laughs> yes. Um, and but, she's kind of riding, she's kind of, like, holding his, um, his beard like a, like a leash, like a dog. Yeah, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you another one. 
Oh, she's holding something else, but that's not his hair. It's it appears it, to be a skin tag that's about. It's a muzzle, is what it is. Oh, a muzzle. His mouth. Oh, his mouth is open. It's like a. I don't know what it. It, it honestly looks like another appendage that. What's she oh, holding? Oh, in the other hand, she has a whip. Yeah. Okay. So. It is a horse whip. <laughs> so he's whipped. Here's another one, Lisa. Another whip. She's on top of him again. He doesn't look too happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he, this is Phyllis riding Aristotle. He's, okay. he's riding like a horse. Yeah, like a horse, not yeah. sexually. No, it's hard to, like, Lisa was, was saying he was sitting, she was sitting on him. It's hard to depict riding. She's like, she's like sitting on him like, like ladies ride horses, like yes. side saddle. Yes. All right, so there is literally... A topos out there that's less famous than somehow than like Madonna with child and then walking in Memphis. And it, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of artist depictions of this woman Phyllis writing Aristotle. Huh. Sometimes it's paintings, sometimes it's etchings, there's statues of this shit. It is everywhere. Sketches, drawings, all sorts of artists have done this. Maybe it resonated with them. Yeah, maybe it did. Maybe they were into that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Dominatrix-style stuff? Yeah. Do you want to hear where it came from, Lisa? Uh, it wasn't real? I, I have to come clean about something. I'm a little upset that you don't find this as comical as I do. This is Aristotle. It's not just some old guy. This is, like, literally the wisest man who's, like, ever lived in Western society is being rode like a horse and whipped. And you're just, like, completely unfazed by it. Oh, yeah, all right, cool, whatever, yeah. Mistress whipping whipping Aristotle. First of all, I thoroughly enjoyed the the smattering of, of paintings we've looked at so far. I don't know. He has a dick. Like, I mean, I have yet to see. I mean, great men are, always have that weakness. I mean, it's it's never not a problem. Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> I mean, even Bill Gates is coming out to be like, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like the people in his circle. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. We're doing and even that weird Bill sex Gates stuff Bill Gates outside of Jeffrey Epstein, like, kind of like sleazy. I mean, like nerdy sleazy, but like still. Yeah, and then, you know, even Gandhi. I mean, Gandhi wasn't cheating on his wife, but he didn't treat her well. I mean, there's always, there's always, you know, there's always something. Yeah. This, okay. this is a world that doesn't appreciate the divine feminine. You know what I mean? So, if you don't appreciate it, it's gonna, it's gonna come and creep and get you. Yeah. You don't yes. appreciate its power. Yes, that's good. It's yeah. good, and you're, you're touching on a lot of stuff I want to talk about later. So that's good. Perfect. But I want to sort of give you the quick rundown of. The story or the legend behind this art. Okay. Do you know who Aristotle's very, very famous pupil was? Socrates. Close. So Socrates taught... Aristotle. Plato. Oh, right. Plato. Plato then was... Uh, taught... Aristotle. Aristotle. And yeah. then Aristotle, who, who, who f- finished the quadrant. Oh, of, there was a fourth? Yes, but he's not grouped in with them because he didn't become a philosopher. He became a guy who did something similar to philosophy, which is bring his army all over the known world and conquer and kill a bunch of people. Oh, rough turn. Um, oh, we talked about this guy before. I mm-hmm. feel like, yeah. 
Uh, it was it what it wasn't Napoleon. He's famous for weeping because there is no more worlds to conquer. I don't know. And Alexander wept. Oh, Alexander the Great. Yes, ten percent of white people related to Alexander the Great, apparently. Huh. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of seed. That is a lot of seed. You're right. I also don't know if that's true. Apparently, it feels difficult. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently, like, there's a saying that like, or not? It's not a saying. It's a statistic. I think it's like something like twenty percent of. Asians can trace their roots back to Genghis Khan, which mm-hmm. sounds more appropriate because the dude had like 150 wives and like raped at 100 women every time he took over a village. Now, Alexander the Great was no angel by any means. He was not that great. Uh, yeah, wrong word. Yeah, so um, who knows? But that's what I've heard. Apparently a lot of people can trace their roots back to Alexander the Great. But he ended the chain. This was like a hundred-year period where Socrates was born, and before Alexander, the last one, he died. He died really young. He actually only died a year after Aristotle died, and Aristotle was like way older. Socrates, or Aristotle. Um, Socrates is long dead before. Wait, so who died before? All right, so it goes. Socrates yeah. is the oldest. Yeah. Plato. Aristotle, then Alexander the Great. And which one of those died close together? The last two. Okay. So Alexander the Great actually died pretty young, but Aristotle died an old man, so they only died about a year apart. But we also don't know exact dates because it was, you know, 330 BCE or whatever. Also makes the theory about the 10% a little less likely. You mean because he died so young? Yeah. That is an excellent point. Yeah. Takes time. Mm-hmm, Takes mm-hmm. time to populate. Yeah, it does. Um, so anyway, Aristotle was especially if you're pregnant for three years, like me. Sorry, I'm done. Yeah, well, you know, if you think about it, though, I mean, people back in the day they started popping out kids as soon as they could. So like, you're like lived to the age of like 23, you probably have like 15 kids, you know. Especially if you're a king, conquering. Oh, yeah. Still, it's it's a lot of it's a, it's, it's a lot of loving. It's yeah, ten percent. It's a whole lot of love. It's no joke. All right, we mm-hmm. we're getting side railed. Yeah, d- d- like derailed, pretty old. Sidetracked. All side railed. Ones. That's a new one. Oh, it's a Lisa ism. Nice. All right. <laughs> um, so here's the story, Lisa. Yeah. Aristotle was teaching young Alexander the Great, and Arist- Alexander the Great he got pretty into this mistress named Phyllis. We don't really know who Phyllis was. It's possible that Phyllis was his mistress. It's a lot of historians actually think Phyllis was his dad's mistress, but she was apparently just total bombshell. So even like a young Alexander the Great, whose loins were thick um, and frothy. And <laughs> <laughs> Way to save it. <laughs> Um, he, he saw Phyllis and he was smitten and Aristotle was very aware of this because teenage boys, not smooth, right? So he was not hiding it well. Aristotle liked it uh, or knew it, but did not like it. Didn't like, he's like, he's going to be distracted by this lusty buxom mistress. Yeah. So we gotta keep him on track so he can murder the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that was the messed up part is that 
you know, he's basically trying to teach him to not go murder. No, I know. And he misinterpreted his teachings. But anyway, that's a that's a lesson for another day when, you know, I have time to do real research and not look at funny pictures on the internet and then turn it into a podcast. Got it. Um, but anyway. So Aristotle knows that he's lusting after this lady. Yes. And he's like, no, no, no. Yes, makes the ultimate mistake that we should take as, as future parents. He forbids it. Forbids it. Yeah. Right? Says, you got to stop seeing that woman. Yeah. Get See, over was, was he already seen her or just... Again, this story is told a hundred thousand different friggin' ways. Yeah. All right. So we don't really know who Maze. They might have already been in a relationship. He might have just wanted her. Again, she might have been in a relationship with his father. But either way, Aristotle didn't like his obsession with Phyllis. Yeah. Okay. And it made it worse. Yes. So forbid it. So Phyllis one day, you know, she's no dummy. She knows how men are. Oh, you can sniff a little attempted cock block from a mile away. <laughs> so what she did is she told little Alexander, she said, I want you to look out your window at this time of day um, in the courtyard. Okay? And about 30 minutes before that time, uh-huh. she, you know, hiked up her skirt, <laughs> let her hair down, maybe undid a button or two on her chest. Uh-huh. Okay? Chest. And started running by the windows of Aristotle's study, giving this little tease, this little hint of cleavage and leg and hair flowing. And she's giggling. And Aristotle looks at his window. He spies her, like, giggling and running around in this garden. And she, he loses it. He's like, I, I need you. I need you to be mine. I need you to lay with me. You have seduced me so. But she was trying to seduce Alexander? No, 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 no. She was trying to seduce Aristotle. And she asked Alexander to watch. She was like, yes. just wait, wait till yes. I get this guy. Right. So she goes, you can have me. You can have every piece of me, old man Aristotle. However, you have to do something for me first. And he was like, name it. I'll do anything. And he, she got a saddle and a horsewhip. He said, I want you to put on this saddle. I'm going to ride you and whip you about the courtyard. And sure enough, he agrees to it. <laughs> and Aristotle is watching from a window in the courtyard as this man who had Alexander's so, watching. Alexander's watching Aristotle and Phyllis. That's this man who, like, tried to control his life and his sexual energy and, like, tell him what to do and thinks he's so wise is being ridden around by this woman being whipped like a horse. It's pretty good. Yes, it's fantastic. It's a great prank. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and again, there's a million different retellings of the stories and art pieces that capture it. Some people even have it as Phyllis is doing this to Aristotle all through the town. And they're naked, so it's like not only is he being whipped and ridden like a horse, he's doing it naked through town and all sorts of shit like that. Either way, a hilarious legend, very hilarious that it has like this long legacy of art pieces that will forever make this a part of Aristotle's legacy. Even though he's got, he had a pretty good PR person because... I didn't. I was a history teacher who took art history classes, and I didn't know about it until it was four a.m. and I was tooling around on the internet. Yeah, I guess he dodged a bullet until we came around, blew yes. a spot up. Yeah, dude. Now so many people are gonna know about this, dude. <laughs> Sucks to be Aristotle. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, Lisa, just a couple more things about art um, now that the funny part is over. Um, we're getting serious now? We're going back to seriousness. Okay. Unless you want to throw in some sex jokes or something like that. <laughs> oh, I mean, I just have so many on my sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> let's proceed. Okay. So this is part of a greater topos. So it's like a subsidiary of another topos uh-huh. called The Power of Women. And uh, it's basically uh-huh. all these series of pieces of art that are all redone by multiple Artists that show basically the female domination of man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of these other ones are either cool or also pretty funny. Um, mm-hmm. One of them is uh, Judith beheading Holoferns. Holoferns? I don't know what that is, but it's basically this woman cuts off the head of some giant dude and like has the head. Um, again, very similar in that there's a million different ways it's per- um, uh, you know, shown. Sometimes she has the knife. Sometimes you'll see she, her cutting off the head. Sometimes it's just like a sculpture of her holding a head or something like that. Another really funny that's... Is there, do we know why she did it? There's a whole story behind it that I read a month ago and then didn't write down and forgot. But moving on, <laughs> the funnier one, okay, the funnier one that's not quite as funny as Aristotle and Phyllis, um, but there's one called... Uh, Virgil in the basket and there is like the legend of this one is that there is this woman in the tower and she was really beautiful when hanging out in the tower window and this guy named Virgil would always try to come up and see her like you know try to get him some Mm -hmm. right so one day um, the woman in the tower throws down this basket is like yeah come on in and then he gets into the basket and she starts like pulling him up the tower and then like once he's like three quarters of the way up just not drops it just lets him dangle so it's this tower in the middle of town and then everybody's looking at him standing like in this basket just dangling on the side of this tower and then again depicted a bunch of different ways sometimes he's even just naked she's like you better take your clothes off and then get in this basket i could do one and okay. I would, I would, I would portray this, and I would name it Helena Handbasket. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, maybe that's it, where that came from. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. We can look into it. It's like this is my hell. Yeah. Handbasket. It is a very common phobia, right? Being naked in public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on top of that, just having your rejection. Be very public. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice indeed. I like it. I, I'm i always torn on this because it's like, I totally believe, like I was saying, like I think that like, like women do obviously have this power over men that you see time and time again to the point where it's like, Jesus, guys, like, is it, the, can, you, is it can you just not be so predictable all the time? Um, but I think it's important to like balance that with like, the dangerous trope of, like, you know, man-eating women and, like, it kind of takes away from, like, you know, a lot of other elements, the multifaceted nature of women and the multifaceted nature of their of their power, so to speak. Um, sure. But uh, it is it is funny. I mean, it, it is just, like, so 
typical. <laughs> yeah. But, and also, to be fair, like, a lot of this, it's not all, the power of women stuff is not all just sexual, or, or and then obviously we talked about the violent one with Judith. Well, I didn't know if that was also, I didn't know the story, so I thought maybe it was sex-related, too. Oh, no, it was not sex-related. Oh, okay. Um, it was, like, warrior shit. Um, but there's also lots of other stuff. Like there's like certain things that have been added to the power of women over time too. So there's like stuff like Joan of Arc sort of people and Queen Elizabeth types and like famous arts like that is considered part of this, uh, you know, large topos of power of women. Yeah. Um, so it is, it really does. It's, it's a great concept. And I think, you know, as things are changing and like right now when we think of like art, it's a lot of our famous subjects, like human subjects of art, is either naked women or like powerful men, right? Yeah. But now that things are changing, I think that a lot more of these power of women old artworks are probably going to be brought to the to surface a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. And as we talked about, it's like not everything is linear. There's been like a lot of like cyclical things in history where like women were revered and like they're power, you know. So mm-hmm. I think that's super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Women are badasses. True. Yeah. It looks pretty tough being pregnant. <laughs> we have children. Get back to business. <laughs> Beyonce says. But, no, I'm glad you brought up Beyonce because I actually couldn't help but think about um, that song by Beyonce. Who Run the World. Yeah. Girls, we run the world, <laughs> you know. And it, but, like, even that, isn't it kind of, like, sexual? It is, because her main line, her main argument is, like, um, it's either my or our, our persuasion can rule a nation. Yeah. And it's just, like, um, I think women can rule a nation. But, like, the persuasion, obviously, it, like, suggests a, an element of se- seduction. Yeah, or just they have to persuade the decision maker. Right, 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 right. right. Exactly. So it is kind of like a... Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, we can do better. We can definitely do better. Um, what I think is also important is, like, I think that there's, like, a lot of discussion around, like, and assumptions around women and and them not being able to hold power or whatnot. But the truth is, when you have a powerful woman that can, can command a room and can be a leader, like, people listen. Like, it's just, oh, they 100%. just do, you know? And yeah. so I think sometimes, like, people get stuck in the... Um, in the idea of like what a woman is, but when it push comes to shove, like, and someone can can lead, like it 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 happens, you know. Yeah, for sure. People people respect. That's true. It's almost like more impressive, right? Because it's like you gotta kind of had to work your ass off to get to that point if you're committed. Or you're just like that charismatic and like mm-hmm. able to command, like just able to inspire followers, you know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, we got a couple extra minutes here from, you know, we're pretty short. Do you, is there any um, pop cultural recommendations you'd like to make? I've actually just been, like, really obsessed with Chef's Table on Netflix. Great show, yeah. It speaks to my soul, I feel. I There's something, it follows really, really successful chefs, um, and it's done in a really artistic, beautiful way. And... Um, I just, I, one, it's just amazing to watch someone follow their passion in such, like, a pure way that really has true success. And, you know, chefs are artists. 
They are oh, such huge creatives. Yeah, I know what I'm saying. I, I'm saying that more for my own thing because I, I don't think I always fully appreciated that. Um, and it's like they are just such creatives and there's just something special about them. Mm-hmm. Like they really see the world like an artist sees the world, which I find really admirable. Um, I really like Chef's Table because it's not just like a bunch of food porn, like another travel show with food porn. It's like showing the lives of these people and why they do what they do. And it's, it's, it's fascinating and inspiring rather than just being like, I want to eat that. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And yeah, it really, it, they all have these crazy stories. I mean, it's never easy to make it in the restaurant world. So it is super inspiring because you're like, when they start describing their life, like, at the beginning to like where they got there, you're like, how did you make that leap for some of these people? You know, but yeah, it's the beauty of, of finding your, your calling, you know, it kind of comes together. Sure. It's really cool. Yeah. So highly recommend that. Lots of seasons on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Oh, can I do another one? Yeah, of course. Um, this was recommended to me by your mother, Sandy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> escape to the chateau. It's a it's a British show um, that follows these this young well the young young family in the sense that they have young children, uh, but the parents are a bit older. Uh, the, the dad's like sixty something and the mom's like um, early forties, and um, they buy this cat. They're British, but they buy this castle in France, and it's like a total like gut not not gut job, but they, there's so much to do to bring it up to a working order and they move in and like, they're both like the late, the woman's like an amazing designer and creator. And the guy is like the handiest dude in the world. Um, and they, second to me though, second to you, I bet you can fix a toilet better than him. Um, and, uh, they just, it's fascinating watching them. I like want to copy them. It's so inspiring. They, They like create a wedding business out of this, um, castle and like they're just hustlers like they monetize everything there's glamping there's like all sorts of stuff and they're just like really charming and like everything on the land is so cool they like create their whole own garden and the guy cooks all the food for the weddings and she's the wedding planner and uh, it could just go on and on so if you're into that sort of thing it's a mix of like HGTV and like weddings and you know entrepreneurship Lisa watched all six seasons in about three days. Well, when you're this large, you have limited entertainment options. It's true. And I was just, I was very inspired. I was very, I really enjoyed it. She literally started Googling how or castles in the United States that we could buy. Yeah, there aren't very many guys. <laughs> Not a lot of castles in the United States. Yeah. That's always that's the tough part because yeah. it would be hard to leave the country. Uh, I used to always think I would live outside the country, but now that we have so many great family and friends, it's hard thinking about you know picking up and going. And plus, once you live in Baltimore, Maryland, it's <laughs> really difficult to be other places. It's true. It's just like we've reached the peak of the empire here. Yeah, we're at the top of the rock. Mm-hmm. I knew you were gonna say that. Yeah. Um. I agree with you. I love Baltimore, but um, we just need to build Baltimore's suck to live first in France castle. Or Italy. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. We'll yeah. build the first castle. All we have to do is buy a huge chart of land in Baltimore City, mm-hmm. 
dig a moat and mm-hmm. put on a castle. Yes, you definitely need a moat. They have a moat. <laughs> All right, Lise, let's get out of here. Quick and clean. Quick and clean. Down and dirty, just like Aristotle and Phyllis. <laughs> Quick and clean, down and dirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfect. All right, do you have anything to add for the good of the people? No, just uh, send good vibes my way. Yeah. All good vibes appreciated, y'all. Thanks very much. Oh, and thank you for whoever started listening in Maine. Hmm. Whole lot of downloads from Maine all of a sudden. So welcome, Maina. Uh, <laughs> and we appreciate your uh, listenership. Yeah, you helped us hit 5,000 listens. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we, so Lisa's referring to, we got from our Podbean, which is our carrier, we got an email. It's like, congratulations on 5,000 listens. It was, oh, man, we still have people listening. <laughs> so then I signed in, and I was like, we hit 5,000 a long time ago. Oh, it, it was just like a, hey, get back on here and start uh, well, it worked. <laughs> podcasting again. And it worked because we were like, hey, that's a good, good activity we can do. Yep. But, yeah, we have uh, significantly more than 5,000 downloads, oh, cool. which is awesome. So thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you for Aaron, who is one of our, um, our P1 listeners, because Aaron not only made Vietnam one of our top countries, we now have a bunch of ch- chili downloads as well. No. Aaron moved to Chile. Making us real global. Yeah. Lee, get your ass out of that rainy island you call home and get down to take care of your lady down in Chile. Yeah. I know, like, it's not your fault. You're just waiting for Steve to tell you. There's a pandemic (laughs) and stuff like that. (laughs) But Aaron misses you. Mm -hmm. All right. That's it. That's what I'm ending on. Perfect. Berating a friend of mine I haven't seen in three years. (laughs) All right. um, My name's Steve. I was a history teacher. And my name's Lisa. And I married him.